You're listening to Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. I am your host, Eric Konovalov, and I believe that we can achieve everything we want if we take our leadership, sales ability, and personal growth to a higher level. On this show, we share ideas on how to break through our invisible boundaries, start taking steps towards our dreams, and create the life we desire. I invite you to open your mind to new possibilities, new ideas, and to the truth that everything you want is possible for you. Thank you for being here and welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, today our guest comes from very humble and difficult beginnings. He was a high school dropout who overcame incredible odds and actually created a life that most people dream of. Today, Paul Martinelli is a global teacher in the field of human potential, personal growth, and the power of what one's mind can truly accomplish. He's built several multi-million dollar businesses, including the John Maxwell team, where he grew the company from a few hundred members to tens of thousands of members in a few short years. Paul is number two on the Global Gurus World's Top 30 Coaches list for 2020. And by the way, I took a look at that list. Number 17 is Tony Robbins. Along with being a mentor to thousands of people, Paul created the Empowered Living Community on Facebook, which has almost 2.2 million people as its members. In addition, Paul wrote The Missing Chapters, an epilogue to Think and Grow Rich, which I cannot wait to dive into. Paul's my mentor and is the reason why my life tremendously improved. And I'm just pouring with excitement to have Paul on the show. Paul, welcome. This is surreal to me. Oh, man. Hey, thank you, Eric. I, you know, I've been blessed to kind of have a front row seat in kind of your life and your growth. And it's, it's just been awesome. And I am so glad that you, um, you jumped in and decided to do a podcast. The world needs your voice. It needs your expertise and your training. And I'm honored that you would have me on as a guest. Wow. Thank you so much. So right now, people look at you. You're on, you know, top of the world with global gurus. You're traveling all over the world, teaching principles and teaching people to think differently about themselves. And we'll learn more about that. But you really opened up in your book. And that's not how life has always been for you as a young kid when you were five, six, growing up in Pittsburgh. So could you share with us a little bit about your childhood and kind of how you came to be who you are today? Yeah, you know, my, uh, my, my childhood was not a safe place, Eric. It was, um, you know, it was a house of horrors, to be honest with you. I mean, um, I share a couple of stories in the book of just kind of some memories just so the readers can kind of get a, get a grip of it. But um you know, I, I, it was it wasn't a safe place physically. It wasn't a safe place emotionally or verbally. Uh, my father left uh, my family when my mom was three months pregnant with me, and um, you know, my mother was just operating from a real low level of emotional intelligence. And I, I really think she suffered with mental illness. And she was raising four boys, you know, four four children, three boys and a girl by herself. And um, and she did look in the book one of the principles I write about is the, is the principle of forgiveness. And that's why I share the story, but I would, you know, I would, I can remember going to third grade and being sent down to the nurse's office. Cause I, you know, my eye was black and blue and swollen, you know? Mm. Uh, and, you know, I, I was born in 1966. So in the 1970s, you know, child abuse wasn't what it is today. I mean, they, they didn't have the same precautions today. You know, I'd have been pulled from the home. She'd have been arrested, you know, but you know, it, the, the, what happened was I developed a terrible speech impediment. When most children start to speak at around 15 months, I didn't. I was, um, you know, I, I spoke, 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 spoke like, 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 like this. And I, I didn't realize that, you know, most people who, who stutter, it's not a neurological disorder. It's usually anxiety. For me, it was really post-traumatic stress syndrome, you know, at, you know, mm -hmm. at eight years old. Right. Um, and of course, you know, you know, being, being um, a stutterer, I got picked on and teased, and it just formed a real low self-image, low self-esteem. And uh, I ended up, as you said in your introduction, thank you for that, I, I ended up failing out of school. You know, I tell people I dropped out. I failed out. And then through the book, Think and Grow Rich, my life was changed by my first mentor, Patrick Hayes. Wow. So there's been, 
you know, I think one of the covers, and you actually mentioned that in your book, one of the covers of Think and Grow Rich, and there are so many different variations, says over 10 million copies sold. But not, not everybody reads 10 million, you know, not all 10 million people who read that book, myself included, by the way, have changed and transformed like you have. What's the difference? Patrick Hayes. Patrick just didn't give me the book. Patrick walked me through that book word by word, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph, page by page, chapter by chapter, principle by principle. And he would challenge my thinking. The inter- Here's the really cool thing, Pat, uh, Eric, is Patrick never once gave me any business advice. He didn't tell me how to sell. He didn't tell me how to market. He knew nothing about the cleaning business that I was in at the time. He never taught me what to think. He taught me how to think. And if you think about that, we think we know how to think. But what we call thinking is really just mental activity. You know, we have thoughts. That's not what really creative thinking is, right? Creative thinking is when you have an idea, you take that idea, you apply it to your current conditions and circumstances, and then you alter or improve the conditions, circumstances, and environment of your life. You then look at the feedback from that, from that change, and then you think of the next thought. That's creative thinking. And so Patrick taught me this process to challenge what I believe. So I'll give you an example. I was, when I met Patrick, I was earning about $20,000 as a janitor. And he said, you know, let's set a goal for $100,000. Now, somebody who's making $20,000 absolutely wants to make $100,000, right? Uh, but the first absolutely. thing I did was argue with him. First thing I did, Eric, was argue with him. I'll never be able to do it. And I started to give him all the reasons why. You know, here's, here's the evidence from my life, real evidence. I'm a high school dropout. You don't get anywhere without an education. The rich get richer, the poor get poor. You know, I had, you know, I had every single excuse. And Patrick said, you know, that's great. That's the fact of your life. But what's the truth of your life? Because facts change. Facts change. And so he had me study successful people. And here's what I found. By far, statistically, if you want to get rich, quit school. <laughs> quit school, you know? Worked really good for Gates and Suckerberg, right? They, they, they dropped out of college. They never graduated college. And so he, he started, he said, look, you know, he started to just pierce what I was defining as, as truth. And he said, you know, that's not your story. You can, you can take a pen and at any day start to write another story. What, what belief would serve you? And why don't you, why don't you walk that belief for a while? You've, you, you've, you've walked this limiting belief for so long. Why don't you walk this belief? You know, you know I said, you know, you know, Patrick, I don't think anybody can make $100,000. You, you know how many toilets I got to clean to make $100,000, <laughs> you know? And Patrick was an old Wall Street guy. So, uh, you know, he sat me down back then. This is 1990. So there were, you know, we, there were computers, but it wasn't what it is today. And he, the next day I went and he had uh, a newspaper, Investor's Business Daily. He opened it up and he said, I want you to find a stock symbol. It was American Building Maintenance, largest cleaning company in the world. They clean airports, right? They, they clean prisons. They clean. And, and here was a company worth billions of dollars. He said, you know, the, their average salesperson makes a quarter of a million dollars a year. So how, how you own your company? Why, why can't you make a hundred? See, he challenged everything that I had made an agreement with, and so I think the key is is you know, you know, has somebody mentored you through it? Has somebody walked you through it for a significant period of time? Maybe it's six months. Has somebody walked you through it? Has somebody has somebody been you know? You, you think about a rocket on its way to the moon or an airplane from Miami to to Heathrow? It's off course the entire time but it has a cybernetic mechanism that adjusts called an autopilot that brings it back on course. Well, you and I have a automatic pilot. We have a cybernetic mechanism, but it pulls us back to our old programming. So even though we're, we want the new goal and we start taking steps there, we sabotage ourselves back to our old belief. Unless you have somebody with really trained ears to say, stop, let me interrupt that pattern. What are you thinking? Choose a better thought. Choose a better thought. And um, that's the difference, Eric. I really believe that. 
Oh my gosh. That, I mean, you're saying that and you're, when you said has somebody mentored you through that and we're talking about thinking grow rich, you actually run a free program a few times a year for thinking grow richer. It might be like 99 bucks or something just ridiculously low where you yep. have, you hop on live calls and I've been on those and you've mentored me. And I remember I joined one of your programs and you said, read this chapter is the chapter on persistence. 14 days in a row. If you stop once, if you miss a day, you start 14 days all over. And so I've done that yet. And I've seen some results yet. I haven't seen your result. So I'm, I'm guessing my ship is, is not heading in the right direction still, but it's so subtle. Paul. Well, it might be, it, it is so look, it's, our subconscious mind, our old programming is so cunning that what it does is it uses logic against us. And if you think about what, what is logic, your logic is based on what you believe. Our, our, beliefs, our beliefs are based on our evaluation of things. And so if we'll reevaluate things, then our beliefs can change. But if we don't, if we're not guided through that process of how, how do you reevaluate things? What did Wayne Dyer said? He said, you know, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So we have to change our perspective. We have to change our thinking when we're looking at it. It's very hard to do yourself. It's very hard to do yourself. Now, you get some result for sure through a big study. And I thank you for mentioning that. I mean, we've, I've, I put hundreds of thousands of people through free studies. I give the course away and then tell people if you want lifetime access, you know, buy it for $99. And it's like 16 hours of me, you know, direct the camera teaching the course. I mean, it's packed full of content. And that's great. And yet, if information changed everybody's life, everybody would be skinny, rich, and happy, right? Um, it, having someone one-on-one, -on -one, you know, when I'm mentoring somebody, I do probably 30 minutes every two weeks. Just 30 minutes every two weeks. It's a drop-in call. And just ask, I, four or five questions is all I need to ask. And, and I can just hear where their thinking is. And it's just, boop. Just write the course a little bit and then go a little further. Write the course. And when, I, when I'm mentoring somebody, my goal is to double their income. That's my goal. I don't take on clients if I don't think I can help them double their income. So they have to have some kind of, you know, existing business, right? Or right. at least a plan to get, get going and the willingness to do it. But if they've got an existing business or the willingness to get one going, uh, if they'll do what I'll share with them to do, the way I tell them to do it. Now, oftentimes what I tell them to do doesn't make any sense to them. Because here, here's what happens. When, when, you're, when you're working towards a goal and you get this new idea, this new idea comes in your mind, this new idea does not fit your current puzzle piece. Right? You're building a puzzle. You get this new piece. It doesn't fit. Well, of course it doesn't fit. It's a different puzzle piece. Take the old puzzle, throw it away. This is the new corner piece. You're, you're, starting, a new, you're starting a whole new puzzle. It's a whole new dream. And so what, what people try to do is they try to take a new dream and, and make it somehow fit into their existing life. No, the old you must die for a new birth. What did Paul teach in Romans? It's a transformation of your mind. It's a transformation of your mind. Transformation doesn't mean you change some of the things. It means you change everything. And I've just found that most people don't know how to do it and or are unwilling to do it. So you meet Pat, when did you meet Patrick, by the way? I met Patrick in 1991. I walked in cold calling to clean his office. Honestly, okay. God. And, and I, I know this story, but you literally bought a bucket, some, some spray, and you would go and just start cleaning people's stuff. And say, hey, I can do the whole thing for you. I think that's like the best thing ever. I, I love. It was killer. I would. I, I, I had. A, I had. A, I had a process for cold calling that would kill anybody. I would go up to some. You know. You know. In Florida, there's all strip malls, right? Everything's a strip mall. Yeah. And so I would walk. I would walk up, and I would just like take a bucket of soapy water, and I would just start splashing it on their windows. <laughs> you know, I would would never walk in the door, and I would just start cleaning their windows. Right. And, you know, 
by, by the time I was done, I'd have, you know, everybody in the office looking at me like, who is this maniac <laughs> cleaning the window, you know? And they would come out and say, hey, you know, stop. You know, we, we didn't hire you to clean your windows. They said, oh, I, I, yeah, I know. I, I'm cleaning them for free. Uh, and you're cleaning for free. I said, well, how would you ever hire me to clean the inside if you haven't seen what I could do on the outside? If I can do this for your windows, imagine what I can do for your toilets and your desks and everything else. It was the greatest cold call hustle in the world because people saw that I was willing to do it, you know? And I said, look, yep. if you've got a cleaning company, if you've, got a, if, you, if you've got a cleaning company, they were here this week and they left your business with these filthy windows, it's a disgrace. You should fire them. How could, how could anybody, how could any professional cleaning person walk, walk out of your office and, not, and leave your windows a filthy mess? It's the first thing your client sees. But I was willing to think outside that box, you know? That's great. And did you take those principles and that's why you kind of start once people come into the Paul Martinelli universe, usually it's because you're giving them a ton of valuable stuff for free. I mean, I've benefited from so much of your valuable free stuff. I almost feel like I owe you in money fact, at the end of it. <laughs> in fact, I have a model. Again, it makes no sense. I give everything I do for free. I teach everything I teach. I, I teach for free. And then I give people an opportunity to buy it. So, but, but I teach it, you know, like, you know, uh, thinking we're rich, 16 chapters. I teach a chapter a day. Each teaching's an hour. And, and, and most people, you know, most people try to keep up and they, they can't keep up, but they want to keep up. I keep the lesson live for 48 hours to give them time. And then I just make an offer and say, look, if, if you don't want to rush through, if you want lifetime access, pay $100 for it. That's all. Pay $100 and you get 16 hours of great content. I mean, are you going to get one idea worth 100 bucks? Come on. It's, yes. You know, it's, an, it's a no-brainer. And so I've done that with the science of getting rich, as a man thinketh, psycho cybernetics. I teach dead people stuff, you know. Uh, you know, I love it. The 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 master, the, the classics, right? The you know, uh, you know. You think of it this way, Eric. <clears throat> Patrick Hayes turned my light switch on in 1991, and what was happening in 1991 in the personal growth industry was the giant, right? Anthony Robbins, right? Yep. And so there was, there, there was Anthony Robbins with Fran Tarkington, right? The football uh, player from uh, the Miami Vikings, the quarterback, mm -hmm. and they were doing infomercials at night. And Anthony Robbins had people walking on fire. You know, this is 1991 before, you know, any of his work. And so, you know, this idea of being able to walk on fire, especially in America, oh my goodness, you know, he's a guru, right? Millions of people did that. I never went. I never read, I never read, the book. As a matter of fact, give me one second, okay? Give me one second, yeah. all right? Yeah. Give me one second. Let me just, let me grab my. Hold on one second. All right. Paul's going to go grab a book for all you listeners out there, and he's going to be right back. And I hope you're enjoying this as much as I'm enjoying it, because if you follow him, if you take the time, join his community. It's called Empowered Living Community on Facebook. You're going to learn so much. And Paul's back. This is the exact copy. That Patrick gave me. Now, it didn't look like this, Eric, when he gave it to me, right? I want to this take a the, picture of it on my phone. Can I just do that really quick, Paul? Look, look at this book. Yes. How old is right? that book? He gave me this in 1990, 1991. Every page of this book is dog-eared. It's beat up. I mean, it's falling apart. I, I've read this copy of this book thousands of times. But see, Patrick was really, Patrick instilled in me discipline. See, discipline, everybody has potential, right? We have infinite potential. But when we're young, that infinite potential is chaotic energy. So, you know, we're, we're kind of like Peter Pan, Peter Pan, right? We want to do this and we want to do that. And there's, the world is our oyster. There's all kinds of options. And what Patrick said is, look, listen to one voice. Listen to one voice. Don't, don't, don't have a hundred ideas, have one and work it a hundred times. And so he just, you know, we would get to the end of the book and I would say, what's next? Chapter one. Again, we'd get to the end of the book. What's next? Chapter one. And here's the thing. Every single time I read the book, it was like somebody came in and wrote something new in the book. Every single time there was something new because I was in a different level of awareness every single time. Every single time I teach the book, 
I, I, I see things I've never, I've, you know, I, I get, I get new meaning out of the book. I mean, still. It, it, you know, it's still, Oh, absolutely. I mean, you do too. I mean, you, you, you've been on a personal growth journey and yes. you know, when, when you grow, you go back to something a year ago and you, you see so much more in it because there's so much more in you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a different person, right? I destroyed the old one if I did grow. And now a new person's reading that book. I got it. Wow. So Amen. one of the things that you're just uh, just amazing in, and I personally have a struggle with, is creating that future in my mind. And I, a lot of people I talk to feel the same way. But when, <laughs> I remember you had a story about buying a house and you walked in and you're facing the beach and the real estate agent started asking you questions about what do you think? And this now you're like, I'll take it. And they're like, well, you haven't seen the rest of the house. <laughs> Can you share that story? I just love it. I had been, you know, I, you know, in the cleaning business, I, I had been cleaning, you know, estates on the ocean. I live in Palm beach County. So Jupiter Island is the wealthiest zip code in the United States. Celine Dion, Tiger Woods, um, Justin Bieber, Bill Gates all live on the island. And at my cleaning company, we used to do commercial cleaning for the pressure cleaning, the window cleaning. We did residential carpet cleaning. So I'd been inside those estates. And for years, I had built an image in my mind of one day I was going to live on the ocean. And so I started to journal what it would look like, what it would feel like. You know, what, what, would, what, would I, what would I really want? And I call it any given Tuesday. So I, I, I must have written this, I don't know, hundreds of times, just any given Tuesday. So what, what, what was my day like? So I'm, I'm, I'm writing about the future in present tense. Because the part of your mind you're working with is the subconscious mind, which is deductive. Your subconscious mind has no ability to reject an idea or to distinguish a real idea from a fake idea. So this is why when you watch the movie Jaws, you jump, right? When the shark comes, you're not in the water. Why are you jumping, right? This right. is why when we watch a suspense movie, we get scared. Why, why are you scared? You're in a movie. What, what are you scared about? <laughs> no, you shouldn't be. Because when you get emotionally involved, the subconscious mind actually puts you in that. It's like when you see somebody bite a lemon, your mouth waters. You're not eating a lemon. But all everything gets triggered in, in real time. The real physiology actually gets experienced. So you actually feel you actually feel it. You actually believe it. It becomes your truth. And so I, I got in the habit of writing every single day that I lived my life, I lived that future life. So at the end of the day, after cleaning toilets for 10 hours a day, I would sit down and say, I woke up today on the beach, right? You know, I had, you know, Maria come in and squeeze the fresh orange juice. I mean, I had this thing written down and I, I had started a natural stone cleaning division, polishing marble and granite. And I fell in love with natural stone. So I, I had an idea of an exact kind of granite I wanted, right? The color, right? Mm -hmm. And I had been, I, I, I've been looking for, you know, an oceanfront condo. I walk in and there's this big extended bar from the kitchen, exactly the same. I mean, it was the kitchen I had written about, right? I walk in, it's nothing but ocean. Everywhere else I had looked, you, you know, real estate agents can get creative about what waterfront property is, right? You know, yes. <laughs> this, was, this was direct ocean, right? And I'm afraid of heights, right? And so I didn't want to be in the penthouse. I like third floor. You walk out the back of the building, 80 steps, you're, you're in the Atlantic Ocean. I walk in this place. I could see just the tip of a palm tree and nothing but ocean. Oh. And I said to the guy, write it up, write it up. He said, well, you haven't been here. I said, I've been here a million times. I know where the Christmas tree goes. I, I've been here a thousand times. And so I think what happens for most people who get stuck with this, Eric, is they think it's a visual image. I, I can't, I can't get the image. Like I'm the kind of guy, like if, if, if I want to paint, you know, the inside of room, don't give me a paint chip. You got to paint the whole house. Right. Then I'll tell you if I like the color. I, I, I've got no, I've got no, no visual sense. Right. And so it's not, now some people can do it creatively and see it in an image, but I'm a kinetic learner. I'm, I have to feel it. And so 
my intuition works by feeling, not by vision. And so what I would do is I would allow myself to feel what it would be like, and then I describe what I feel. And for any of you who are, who are watching, who are part of this, if you're stuck having a hard time imagining your future, then just ask yourself, what would it feel like? What would those emotional states feel like? What does, what does fulfillment feel like? What does freedom feel like? If you were free, what would it feel like? How would you know you were free? What's that vibrational frequency? What shows up for you when you're free? And write that. That's all you need to do. Because do you you're subconscious. So like you, when you no. were talking about the puzzle, no. right? This is a new puzzle. Yep. If I've never written before, and by the way, because of you, here's my journal, right? Right here. Yeah. Yeah. But if I've never written before, how do you start that first time you ever start writing? You, for me, it's just... The, the Buddhist religion refers to this as the jumping monkeys, right? right? <laughs> so, you know, we get distracted whenever we go to write. So write in questions. Write in questions. What do I want? What would I love? What would really excite me? And as you're doing that, the idea will come in that says, you know, don't forget to do the laundry. Don't forget to <laughs> yes. clean the car. And so what I do is I write that down too. Don't forget to do the laundry. Okay, because what I want to do, all I want to do is clear that energy. Okay, great, right? Because in the absence of direction, your subconscious mind will give you a thousand things to worry about and think about. You'll never stop worrying, right? That's the power of anxiety, right? Once you start worrying, it's a slippery slope. So write it out. Don't forget to do the laundry. Don't forget to get the oil changed. Okay, and then eventually, it, it gets kind of lullaby to sleep. It's the same process in hypnosis. When, when a hypnotherapist is putting you under induction, they have you count backwards from 99 and you don't make it past, you know, 83 because your, your, your mind gets bored and just kind of lullabies asleep, which then allows the, the hypnotherapist to go in and put the suggestion in your subconscious mind, which again is deductive has no ability to reject an idea and accepts everything as truth. Whereas your conscious mind evaluates everything, right? Your conscious oh, yeah. mind is alert. And, and do I trust them? Do I not trust them? Should I? Shouldn't I, right? And evaluates everything and pushes back. Your subconscious mind is deductive. You know, if you've ever seen like um, a mom or dad feed a baby, right? It's hysterical. I'm at an airport, mom's got the little baby, right? She's got a little jar and she's going like this. She, open up open up right and the little baby's like watching the spoon right and you know, right and in she goes right i look around everybody in the first class lounge is going like this you know they're opening their mouth <laughs> and she's going oh everybody's watching. we're all intrigued with this right we're all watching the baby we're all going to see is she going to hit the goal what's going to happen and everybody in the first class lounge is going uh like they're babies too it's deductive it just automatically shows up and that's the power of it. So it doesn't take a lot. If you can, if you can, if you can put this in your mind for what, three, four or five minutes a day, you, the idea here is, is making it, he says here, he says, as he writes in the book, in the, I believe it's in the chapter on desire. He said, the dominating thoughts of their mind, it's the dominating thought of your mind became magnetized and so powerful that they could literally, he's talking about Edison, Ford, Rockefeller, Alexander Graham Bell. He said the dominating thought of success and achievement was so powerful, it became magnetized to the degree that they could attract, manifest, or create anything they wanted in their life, here's the catcher, without violating the rights of other people. In other words, they didn't have to steal it, they didn't have to break the law. They were using what we know most people would call the law of attraction, which is really a secondary law to the law of vibration. The law of vibration is the calibrated frequency of the thought. That's what sets up the attraction. And you have dominion over all things. By God is your birthright. Dominion over all things means authority over everything. Not power over, authority over. Authority over. So you have authority over the vibrational frequency of what you think. Really powerful stuff. If you, if you know, and it doesn't. You, know, it, you don't have to be a quantum physicist to understand it. 
It's such powerful stuff. How do you apply that to business? So yeah, leaders so- are listening. They're leading sales teams. They're leading organizations. How do they apply what you're talking about? Creating that vision, seeing it vibrating at a higher level. Well, let's understand a person who, let's say, let's say a salesperson who's you know earning a hundred thousand dollars a year. They're not earning a hundred thousand dollars a year because that's what they want. They're earning it because they're not aware of how to make two hundred thousand dollars a year, right? So, so one shift in their awareness, off they go, right? So it's about how do we shift? How do we shift our awareness? And the way you shift your awareness is first. Look at what you're currently aware of. How much of your potential are you aware of? Most, most salespeople, you know, the average sales team will have a national sales contest where they're going to send maybe 10 of their reps off to Hawaii, right? For some, you know, the top performers. You know, they can book the plane tickets in, in January because they know who's going to win because most people never change. Most people never change. And so I think what we want to do is if, if we're leading sales team, is, is, is we want to look at first off, you know, where are we? Let's get a, let's, let's take real good inventory. Where are we? What's working? What's not working for the love of God. Let's stop doing what's not working. Have you, I mean, almost any organization, if they, if they just forget doing new things, if they just stopped doing what doesn't work, they grow, right? You know, you, you look at people who are operating on, on systems and processes that are failing, and you say, why do you do it this way? Well, that's the way we've always done it. Like sheep to slaughter. That's it. What, what, are you doing it because this is the most effective, efficient way to do it? No, we're doing it because that's the way we've always done it. Monkey see, monkey do, right? And so right. what I've found is if you can get a salesperson to at least entertain the consideration that they could double their income. Could it be possible? And if it were possible, what would be one thing you would do? I ask everybody when I'm teaching, you know, public seminars around the world, how many of you would like to double your income? Everybody's hand goes up. Of course it does. It's an IQ test. Who doesn't want to double their income? And then I ask them this, how many believe that, you know, through our thought, we manifest our lives? Everybody's hand goes up. Great. When was the last time you sat down every day for five minutes a day with one of these, with a pen, for 90 days in a row and thought to yourself, how do I do it? When was the last time you sat aside just five minutes to think about ways that you could for 90 days in a row? Nobody's hand goes up. You know why? Because they don't even get the idea because they don't believe it's possible. If you believed it was possible, you'd do it. Belief drives behavior. And so what I do is when I'm working with somebody one-on-one is I identify just two or three habits, just two or three habits. Just, just do, just, just let's, let's, let's stop doing things that don't work and let's just find two or three habits and let's implement them. That's all. And you would be amazed. You'd be amazed. Now, it, I'm, I'm not talking about somebody, you know, changing their life in, in, in 30 days. There'll be some changes. They're not doubling their income at the end of 30 or 40 days. At the end of the year, success compounds. Awareness compounds. And the beautiful thing about awareness is once it's expanded, you never go back to it. I, I used to do roofing work for $4.10 an hour. I'll never do work for $4.10 an hour. Why? Not that I'm too prideful. I'm aware that I don't have to. I'm aware that I don't have to. So you and do so it for free now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and earn millions of dollars doing it for free. Yes. It's a really good, really cool pattern, you know? I love and it. you can do it. And it's a really cool thing. And so, you know, if, you know, and again, it's coming from that, you know, it, I have a belief mindset of abundance. And so I'm happily, you know, when, when, when I have 50,000 people register for a Think and Grow Rich um, at, at $99, I don't know, maybe, maybe four or 5,000 people will buy the program for, for 100 bucks, which tells you that 45,000 people didn't buy it, <laughs> which amazes me, but they, but, but they didn't buy it. And that's okay. God bless. I'm okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy they got it because you know what? If, 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 if it helps them three years from now, I know what I'm doing is I'm planting the seed. 
It's the law of gender, right? The, there's seven laws that govern the way that we think and behave. And that's the law of gender. It's the law of incubation. So, you know, I understand that, you know, it, it's going to take time. And so if I can just work with somebody for six months and just keep, identify two or three habits and just keep them on track with the thinking patterns that support it, with a very clear vision of what they want, sky's the limit. Works every time. Sounds so simple. And it is. And you know what? You know what? Tell me something magnificent that isn't. I mean, the the snow falling on top of the hill, beautiful and magnificent, yes or no? Beautiful. Ever ever sit in a valley and look up at the top of a mountain, how beautiful it is? Very. Did, did Did the snow effort to get there? Ever go up to, you know, upstate New York in, in, in the wintertime or in the fall and see the change in the colors? Are the, street, are, are, are the trees struggling? No, but it's magnificent, isn't it? Yeah. Ever see the waves of an ocean, right? Effortless. It should be simple. If it's not simple, you're doing it wrong. If you're struggling and pushing and efforting, listen, force negates. If I hold my hand up and you put you up, and you put yours in hand against mine, without me saying a word, the first thing you will do is push against me. You'll just automatically push against me. And the next thing you know, you and I are in, in, this, in this dumb game where neither one of us is going to be able to advance anywhere. We're stuck trying to force our will on each other. And if I just simply did this, just let go. Step to the side and keep walking. I'd move on. But we... We push against things that don't matter. We struggle with things that don't matter. Wow. I love there's a part in your book where you're talking about getting up really early in the morning to go to the roofing job. And, and the way you phrased it, I think you said, I'm going to a job that I hate, hoping they don't fire me. It, there's just so much yeah. in there. And isn't there's it? millions of people who can relate to that. Isn't that true? I would get up early in the morning, stand on uh, Smithfield Street to catch the 51A Arlington bus. And I hated it. And I hated it every single day. And I would pray that they wouldn't fire me because I was operating from a belief that this, that I was a high school dropout. I was lucky to have a job, right? I was lucky to have it, right? That this was as, as good as it gets that, you know, in life we're dealt, we're dealt cards and we got to play the hand we're dealt. It never occurred to me that I could take the cards I was dealt, throw them back to the center of the table and demand from life a new game, or better yet, become the dealer of my own life. It never occurred to me, Eric. It never, I just, hey, I was resigned to being a roofer or cleaning toilets. That was it. Because if you're a high school dropout, what else do you do? What else do you do? And that was it. And that, that, that's what I was going to do. When I, when I told my family that I was going to start a cleaning company. It was Thanksgiving day. I'm Italian. My grandmother, everybody's around the table. We're eating. And I, I make this announcement that I'm, you know, I'm going to quit the roofing job and I'm going to start a commercial cleaning company. Everybody's fork dropped at the same time. Are you crazy? Are you not? My brother, PhD in engineering, you know, what do you know? What do you know about business? My other brother, you know, a, a microbiologist, University of Pittsburgh, you know, do you remember what your house, what your room looked like when you were growing up? I mean, they, because they have an image of limitation. They wanted more for me. And the first thing they did is I was talking about a hope and a dream was kill it. That was the best they could do for me. These were my partners in belief. We got to be real careful about who we surround ourselves with my friend, because unknowingly people kill our dreams unknowingly they can look people can kill your dreams you're talking about your dream and they go that's it that's it that's sometimes that's all it takes to kill somebody's dream so do you believe sharing your dreams with people or keeping it quiet oh i yeah i i I think you got to keep it really quiet uh unless you've got you know you got to have you know a really good mentor or coach I believe you share with them in inner circle or mastermind group, you share it with them, but you've got, you've got to share it with people who have a level of awareness like you do uh, to protect it and guard it for them. It's a cherished thing. It's, it's a, you know, thoughts are real things. They're, 
they're real things. And, you know, you know, most people who will fight for the right for life will abort dreams like nothing. Paul, I was coaching somebody two weeks ago. He's a very successful uh, general manager, a very successful store. In the last, I think, four months, they're hitting record numbers like the store has never hit amidst COVID. And we started talking about his future goals. And he said something he's never told me before. I've been his coach for over a year. And I said, why is it that we've been together for over a year and this is the first time I'm hearing about this is something that you're interested in doing? And he said, I didn't think it was possible. I didn't think I could accomplish it. So I just never set it as a goal. And you have this philosophy on goal setting versus goal achieving that I think is just so unique. Are you able to share that with us? I know we have about 10 minutes or so. Yeah, sure. You know, first off, we have to understand that any goal, dream, or idea that you have conscious awareness of, you can absolutely manifest, period, end of story. It's governed by law. In fact, the whole universe would collapse if you weren't fully resourced to bring it forward. It's governed by the law of polarity or the law of opposites. And so what happens is, is when we become aware of an idea, again, what most of us do is we, we think of the idea and then we think of all the reasons why we can't do it. Well, if you're 100% sure that you could never be able to reach that goal or that it's not possible, the only way you can be 100% sure that you can't, the only way is if there was an in equal measure a part of you that knew you could. I'll give you an example. Right now, you're in a room, right? Right. And you know you're in the room. You're 100% sure you're in the room, right? Correct. Okay. What makes you 100% sure that you're in a room is not the walls, it's not the ceiling, it's not the floor. What makes you 100% sure that you're in a room is that you are 100% sure that there's an outside. If you were only 50% sure that there was an outside, you would only be 50% sure that you were inside. You can't have one without the other. It's impossible. So when your coaching client says, you know, I don't think it's possible, you should open up the champagne and say, great. Now we know for sure it's possible. Now, the trick is, is how do we access the part of us that knows? This was the work of Carl Jung, where he said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it directs your life and you call it fate. How do we make the unconscious, that which we are not aware of, the resources, talents, ability, and potential within us, how do we bring that above the noise of our limiting self-belief and our program behavior patterns? How do we do that? How do we access that? And I found that when most people set goals, the reason they don't achieve those goals is they made one of five mistakes when they set the goal. It's not that they didn't have the skill, talent, ability, potential, money, time, resources. It had nothing to do with it. They, you know, things don't, you know, you and I both have been mentored by John Maxwell. Things don't end badly. They start badly. And so for most people, when we set goals, we make one of these five mistakes. And there's a difference between setting a goal and goal achievement. Goal setting is an intellectual process, meaning you're going to use one of six intellectual faculties. We've been gifted with six intellect, just as we've been given five senses, we have six intellectual faculties. In the book, Thinking Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill said that he came to the conclusion, he's talking again, he's talking about Edison, Ford, Rockefeller, Alexander Graham Bell, right? He said he came to the conclusion that it wasn't an abundance of generalized or even specialized knowledge that led them to great success and achievement. It's that they had developed their intellectual faculties to such a degree that they could create and manifest whatever they wanted. Think about that. Think about that. What are these intellectual faculties? We're not taught them in school. 
you could ask a five-year-old what their five senses are and they could tell you see hear smell taste and touch we're always taught about the physical world well the physical world is limited i've got a glass table in front of me you and i jump on the, up on top of the table it breaks now if you could just imagine this glass table can you sure you can imagine a glass table right sure. now imagine an elephant standing on it can you imagine it yes okay can you see an elephant standing on top of it yeah in my imagination you can kind of get it. yeah yeah and the table doesn't break right no because there's no limit in your imagination there's no limit there my goodness so that's where we, that's where that's where we want to work why would we work in the physical realm where it's limited we want to work in the intellectual realm so there's six faculties intellectual faculties and what most people do when they set goals is they use the intellectual faculty of reason well your reason is based on your logic which is based on your belief and your beliefs have created the conditions and circumstances that you don't want that you're trying to change in the first place so you automatically put all kinds of restrictions on your potential right from the beginning and you're done. You're dead even before you start and you don't even know it. And so we want to use the, we want to use the intellectual faculties of our imagination and intuition. So there's six, perception, reason, will, memory, intuition, right? These, these, and, and imagination. These are the six we want to use. But we don't want to rely just on reason. We want our reasoning mind to serve us. We want our reasoning mind to serve us. We want a direct reasoning. We don't want our reasoning mind to direct our imagination because the reasoning mind told, you know, in the 1950s, the United States government set up, you know, health and human services. You know what their first mandate was? Go find land where we can build factories to make more wheelchairs because they came to the conclusion, the reasoned mind came to the conclusion that we couldn't cure polio. Thank God Jonas Salk didn't use reason and he used intuition and imagination and he created the vaccine. There's no reasonable reason why there should be a rover on Mars, but there is. We didn't get there through reasoning. We got there, there through imagination and intuition, which then directed our reasoning. We first entertained the consideration that it was possible and it's not possible in the physical realm. There's no evidence there, but it's possible on the fertile field of possibility in our imagination. And that's unrestricted. And like faith, you and I have both been given equal measure, equal access. Most of us haven't used our imagination correctly since we were in the sandbox, right? Now what we do is we imagine all the worst case scenarios and we hire consultants to come in and tell us everything that could go wrong. Do it all the time. So true. And so goal setting is this intellectual process. Goal achieving is a lawful process. When we understand the seven laws of thought, there are seven laws that govern the way that we think, behave, and create. The word is praxis. Praxis is the congruence between what we think and believe and what we actually do, right? What we actually do. Not what we say we believe what we really do when there's an integrity between the two. And so when we can understand these seven laws and apply them to our thinking, then we go from goal, set, goal setting through this process of achievement, lawful achievement, it becomes predictable. You can, wow. you can set your watch to success and achievement. Paul, you've added so much value to us today. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it right now you actually have an incredible program that I saw. And, and right before this, I don't know, because maybe I was thinking about you and thinking about this interview. I hop on Facebook and sure enough, there's a picture of you with one of those buffers buffing the floor. And, you know, it's, a, it's an ad on Facebook for a program that you're launching right now. Help me. Can you help, help us understand what that program is about and how people can access it? Yeah, thanks, Eric. It's the first time I've created a, a digital product in a long time, a true product. Most of what I do is programs, you know, where I, where, I, where I do teaching through a program. This is actually a product. It's a digital product. I, I sat down about 18 months ago and, and I thought about, you know, you know, what changed my life? I kind of timelined my life. And 
when I was done, I, cause, because I teach like you do, you, you probably write in lessons, right? You probably mm-hmm. see everything as a, as a teaching opportunity, right? I really do. And so do I. <laughs> you really do. I mean, you process, in, you process through lessons. I, I know you do because you're, you're a successful coach and you're a successful trainer. So we think that way. And so I started to write, you know, what happened in my life? And um, next thing I know, I had, I don't know, nine hours of direct-to-camera teaching. And um, I hired uh, my friend, Andrew Manzano, who is the best in the world. And he shot this on three-camera, you know, 4K, uh, of me just teaching all the laws, all the intellectual faculties, all the five mistakes in goal setting, everything. And when I was done, I found a young guy, really creative genius in Ireland who took it and then put it to music and put B-roll behind it and subtitled it, I hired a design team and curriculum development team to create a workbook. And so the program is called Fully Resourced. It's meant as a six month, you're supposed to watch it over six months. Most people binge watch it and watch it on a weekend, which is great, but they have lifetime access to the product. And then I added on what changed my life, which was the mentoring. I added six months of, now it's not one-on-one, it's group, but I do a, a call every six months for three hours where, you know, I guide people through, you know, what I'm doing now in my life. What am I, what am I doing? How, do, how am I pivoting? What am I thinking? What's in my awareness? I travel all over the world. I've got clients all over the world and my clients tend to be at the highest level. And so I know, I, I can see and I hear trends that are happening. And, and I bring that to, to the people in the group in real time. So thank you for letting me talk about it. I yeah, think it's absolutely. paulsprogram.com. I think that's what it's called. Paul's Pro- uh, That's how creative I am, Eric, right? It's uh, yeah. Paul's Program. I love it. I'll put that in, our, in the show notes in the description for you guys, paulsprogram.com. And uh, if you want to learn more about Paul, it's paulmartinelli.net or paul.martinelli.net. Yeah, your I think website. yeah. Yeah, paulmartinelli.net. It is dot com is a real estate agent up in Canada who who gets bombarded whenever I do something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, make sure it's dot net. Paul, thank you for for joining us today. You were so amazing. And I can't wait to get this episode out for all the listeners. Eric, thank you so much. I really appreciate you, my friend. God bless. God bless. You've listened to another episode of Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a nice review. And if you're not a part of our tribe on Facebook, be sure to head over to Facebook and join Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Tribe. I look forward to speaking with you in the tribe. Have a great day.